Let's go to John chapter 12. This is what we as the church celebrate today as Palm Sunday. So we're going to read about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. John chapter 12, verse 12. And it reads, The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at that time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Wow. And I want us to think about that last line. The religious men said, there's nothing that we can do, basically, to stop them from worshiping him. At that moment, all of them were going after Jesus. So my prayer is for us, is that we would go after Jesus. That we have heard time and time and time and time again of his miracles that he has done in and through our lives. We have seen him move in and through our lives. And nothing and no one should be able to stop us from going after him. Amen. So let us worship our God. Norma, would you pray for us? And then we'll go into a time of worship. no one like you, my Lord Jesus. Father, your word declare that faith come by hearing and hearing the word of God, my Lord. So we gather together today, Father God, here we are, Father God. We want to hear from you, Father God. We want to know exactly what you have for us during this day, Father God. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that we will, as we was praying earlier, Father God, that we will worship you in the spirit and true, Father God. That we will love you because you deserve to be loved. You deserve to be served, Father God. So, Lord Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit. Help us to understand, God, the responsibility and the authority that you have given us, Father God, to express the gospel, to share the gospel with others, to tell them about that is freedom in you and in you alone, my God. 
So thank you, Father. We thank you so much for what you have done in the cross for us, my Lord Jesus. And thank you for this small group of people in here, Father God, that you have set free. That we are free because of you, Father God. We are free because you paid a price for us, my Lord Jesus. For that, we give thanks to you, God, during this day, Father. And every single day of our life, help us to remember the freedom that we walk in every day because of you, Father. Because your blood, because your sacrifice for us, my God, because your love for us is so beautiful, God. So we love you, Jesus. Let, let us worship you today, Father God, like never before. Let us demonstrate our love to you, Father, and in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Father, we do thank you for this day, my God, and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather, to open up your word. I do pray, God, that we would be a people who would seek you, Father, with our whole heart, that we would go after you, that we would search for you, Lord. Knowing, God, your word says that if we seek you, we will find you, if we seek you with our whole hearts, God. Let us not be a people with a divided heart. Let us be a people of God with a pure heart who seeks you, Father. We thank you, God, for your love, which endures forever. We thank you, Father, that you first loved us. We thank you, God, that we are victorious in Christ, that we're not called to be a slave to sin any longer, but we are called to be a slave to righteousness. For we know that the wages of sin are death, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. As we reflect this day of your triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Lord, how those people gathered to worship you, how you fulfilled prophecy. I pray, God, that, Lord, we our worship wouldn't just be in vain, but that we truly would worship you in spirit and truth, that we won't end up like the majority of them at the end of the, that week, crying out, crucify him. I pray, God, that we would not be a religious people, but that we would be a humble people unto our King, Jesus that we would be in right fellowship and relationship with you, Lord. So convict us today, we're needed, Holy Spirit, I pray, that we would yield to your leading. We know that in your word, you declare that if we walk habitually in the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So have your way today, Lord. Draw us unto you even closer, Father. Lead us to repentance if need be. To lay down the areas of our lives, God, that continue to enslave us or to entrap us. We thank you that your word says that we can throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. That we are without excuse. That you've given us everything we need to live a godly life. And I pray, God, that that's how we will live so that we are impacting our community, Father, our workplace, our homes. God, that others would see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Oh, God, that we would be bearers of light and truth ambassadors of your kingdom as we go forth to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 23. We are going through the Bible. This is lesson 10. 
We will be going through Genesis chapter 23 and 24 today. Then we will head, head to Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. Then we will find ourselves in the book, or in Psalm 9, verses 13 through 20. And then we will end today in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. But today, Genesis chapter 23, we are opening up, and we're going to see as we open up that Sarah, Abraham's wife, has died. And as we're reading through this portion of scripture, especially these two chapters, and we're focusing in on the life of Abraham, I really pray for each of us that we would be encouraged through the testimony of Abraham's life. He was just a man called of God. You have been called of God. There is nothing great about Abraham. What was great is Abraham's God. God is great. And that great God, God himself, the almighty God, called out Abraham to fulfill the purpose that he purposed for Abraham in his time. And so it is with you. Do you see yourself called out? Because you ought to. You ought to. If not, then you're not truly seeking after God. What hinders your calling? And the simple answer is you. It's not your circumstances. It's not the people in your lives. Though we like to blame them. If this will get moved, if they would get moved, if this would get out of the way, if they would get out of the way, I would fulfill the call of God on my life. But the reality is, is that you're in the way of your calling. You're in the way. Because you're not focusing on God. You're focusing on what you want removed. Let God be God in your life, and he will fulfill what he has called you to. Abraham was a foreigner in the land. Abraham was a foreigner in the land. But Abraham has grown in his identity as a man that worships God. He knows his God. He's no longer struggling you know, if you would, with his insecurities, making his wife lie, you know, taking matters into his own hands. No, God fulfilled one of the promises and the many promises that God has placed over Abraham's life, God has fulfilled. But God spoke that Abraham would and Sarah would have a child, the promised son. God has led Abraham from his father's land to an unknown land and God has sustained him and kept him there as a foreigner. And Abraham grew there in his relationship with God. When where he was at, where he was located, they worshipped many gods. But I love the fact that he wasn't influenced by the culture. He wasn't influenced of what was happening around him. 
he remains steadfast. And every time we read about Abraham, he's worshiping God. Mm -hmm. God moves, he worships. God moves, he's worshiping. Like his character really spoke volume to the to those around him. They were more impressed not with Abraham, but with Abraham's God. Amen. Remember last week, King came to him. It's your God, Abraham. That should be our example. People should see our God at work in our lives, fulfilling his promises, doing his work in and through us, empowering us to live right lives before the world. Right standing with God, having wisdom, doing things that honor God, reacting like one who honors God. So that when people talk about our lives, they talk about our God. Mm. And not about our problems. But they talk about our God. So I want to challenge us today. I'm challenged by it. How are others seeing your relationship with your God? Do they talk more about you or do they talk about your God? He lived as a foreigner among the Hittites. They had great respect for Abraham's God, and they respected Abraham because of his God. But it's funny, as we will continue through the Bible, we're going to see when the Israelites come back, the Hittites were one of their greatest enemies. Fascinating. And I've been thinking about that. I don't want to give too much away. But if you already know about the Hittites and how they came against the Israelites, it's fascinating, I believe, too, that they didn't really respect the God of Israel because how the Israelites were living towards their God. And we'll see that as this nation begins to form, as this group that had God selected in those days to set apart for himself to bring the Messiah through, we're going to see them with God for a season, away from God for the next season. With God for a season, and away from God for the next season. How can someone respect your God if you're living that way for Him? For a moment I'm with Him, the next I'm not. Everything's going good, praise God. Everything seems to suck, so forget God. I'm holy today, I'm unholy tomorrow. I'm in and out. There's no, one, no one's going to respect that. But live for God. Honor God. Allow God to move among you. And people will know your God. It doesn't mean they'll come to Him. But they'll know Him. We've seen these godless kings, and we'll continue to read, and these godless people, these godless nations, they will respect the living God, but they won't live for the living God. How crazy is that? But God's people throughout every generation 
Remember, God, his purpose is to have a people that he can call his own. And in return, they will call him their God. They will live for him. They will honor him and all that they say and do. Hmm. Abraham was such a person in his generation. <clears throat> he lived for his God and he honored him. <clears throat> when Sarah was 127 years old, she died at Kirath Arba, now called Hebron, in the land of Canaan. There Abraham mourned and wept for her. Then leaving her body, he said to the Hittite elders, Here I am, a stranger and a foreigner among you. Please sell me a piece of land so I can give my wife a proper burial. Now, what, again, I, what I love again about Abraham is that he's a man who not only honors God, but he's a humbled man. He's not puffed up in his relationship with God, thinking he's better than others. He humbles himself not only to God, but to man. He humbled himself before these elders. He stated his position among them. I am a stranger, and I am a foreigner among you. But please sell me. He didn't demand of them. He didn't demand. He asked. He wants a proper burial for his wife. Listen to their reply. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Listen, my lord, you are an honored prince among us. Wow. Choose the finest of our tombs and bury her there. No one here will refuse to help you in this way. Look what favor he had with these elders. The favor on Abraham's life, all because Abraham honored God. It was nothing about Abraham of himself. No, it was about the God in whom Abraham called upon and how he lived his life among these people who were godless. Then Abraham bowed low before the Hittites and said, Since you are willing to help me in this way, be so kind as to ask Ephron, son of Zorah, to let me buy his cave at Machpelah, down at the end of his field. I will pay the full price in the presence of witnesses, so I will have a permanent burial place for my family. Again, humility. They just told him. Did you see that? Choose the finest of our tombs and bury her. No one. What do they say here? No one here will refuse to help you. Whatever you want, Abraham. <coughs> and Abraham, again, didn't say, okay, I'm going to choose the best. Thank you. And let it be there. No. He humbled himself again. And in humbling himself, he mentions 
the tune that he would like, you know, but I'll pay for it. <laughs> Ephron was sitting, or Ephron was sitting there among the others, and he answered Abraham as the others listened, speaking publicly before all the Hittite elders of the town. No, my lord, he said to Abraham, please listen to me. I will give the field and the cave here in the presence of my people. I give it to you. Go and bury your dead. Abraham again bowed low before the citizens of the land. And he replied to Ephron. And as everyone listened, no, listen to me. I will buy it from you. Let me pay the full price for the field so I can bury my dead there. <clears throat> At first he was just looking for the tomb, for the cave, <laughs> to bury his wife. Ephron says, no, I'm not only going to give you the cave, but I'm going to give you the field. Abraham again humbles himself. And says, I'll pay the full price for it. And Ephron answered Abraham, My Lord, please listen to me. The land is worth 400 pieces of silver. But what is that between friends? Go ahead and bury your dead. So Abraham agreed to Ephron's price and paid the amount he had suggested. 400 pieces of silver weighed according to the market standard. The Hittite elders witnessed the transaction. Wow. His humility speaks volume. How he conducts himself speaks volume. Oh, how it should challenge us and our conduct when we're dealing with others. Honoring them. Not just making it about us, what our needs are, what our wants are, just gimme, 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 gimme. No, but truly to negotiate and honor each other in that negotiation. Whatever that is that you're dealing with, your conduct speaks volume. And if that's an area in our lives that we need to get up under the Lord's Lordship, then I pray for us that we would that we wouldn't just keep going about our day in and day out so consumed with us making it all about us and our problems and our this and our that and our this and our that but trusting God learning to trust in God to live for God to honor God to allow the Holy Spirit to mature us and to grow us in our conduct that would be pleasing to God. Abraham could have taken whatever he wanted. They were offering it to him. Come on. Just take it, Abraham. No. I'm going to honor them. As much as they're respecting me, I'm going to respect them. That's so beautiful, man. What a picture. So now he purchases the field and the cave, or the tomb. So Abraham <clears throat> bought the plot of land belonging to Ephron. That's, this included the field itself, the cave that was in it, and all the surrounding trees. 
It was transferred to Abraham as a permanent possession in the presence of the Hittite elders at the city gate. Then Abraham buried his wife Sarah there in Canaan, in a cave of Machpelah, near Mamre, also called Hebron. So the field and the cave were transferred from the Hittites to Abraham for use as a permanent burial place. Chapter 24. Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. Wow. Abraham knew his time was drawing near. He's raised his boy, Isaac. Isaac has seen Abraham live a life honoring God. And one thing Abraham understood was he cannot marry a Canaanite woman. He can't marry a woman who does not serve our God. If she doesn't know God, she will lead him astray. He was protecting and looking out for his son. How important that is for us today. To protect and to look out for our children and our grandchildren. To understand that those that will be in their life would weigh heavily on them, swaying them one way or another, for God or against God. And it goes for us as adults as well, especially the single adults. Who are you looking after? Who are you looking for? It should be someone who is seeking after God, who is godly. Not just a form of godliness, but you actually see the evidence of fruit in their life. Because you hook up with the wrong one. And you're going to be led astray from God. How we need to protect our own hearts. And how we need to be living this life in front of our children and grandchildren. So that they would see what it is to live a life that's honoring God. That they wouldn't go out and search for outside, if you would, among the lost for a mate. Mm -hmm. Abraham was concerned. (laughs) He was sending his servant back to bring a wife for Isaiah. The servant asked, But what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? No, Abraham responded. Be careful never to take my son there. Well, at first that would make sense. If she won't come live among these godless people, then I'll take Isaac back. To your homeland among your relatives. No, that's not what God has 
for Abraham, nor for Isaac. God called Abraham out from there, yeah. never to return. Never to return. And I'm not going back, and my son's not going back. Never take him there. Don't go against what God has already established. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land, the land in which they're in, to my descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife for there for my son. If she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. So the servant took an oath by putting his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham. He swore to follow Abraham's instructions. Then he loaded ten of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master. And he tra traveled to a distant Aram Naharim. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening and the women were coming out to draw water. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed. Please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing here beside the spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too, let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Again, we see Abraham's influence on his servant. Listen to how he opened up his prayer. O oh Lord, God of my master, Abraham. Wow. He knew that God has shown favor upon Abraham. He's been with Abraham. He's Abraham's oldest servant. And so he specifically asked God of this request. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, Bethuel who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. Rebecca was very beautiful and old, old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, Please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she answered. Have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw more water for all his camels. 
The servants watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in this mission. Then at last, with the camp, when the camels had finished drinking, he took out a gold ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrist. Whose daughter are you? he asked. And please tell me, would your father have any room to put us up for the night? I am the daughter of Bethuel, she replied. My grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for guests. The man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. Mm -hmm. Wow. Abraham was confident, if we remember the exchange between him and his servant before his servants left, left that the Lord is going before you. They, the, the servant prayed specifically and God answered his request. And here comes Rebecca. At the right time, at the right place, God fulfills what he has already has established. The young woman ran home to tell her family everything that had happened. Now Rebecca had a brother named Laban, who ran out to meet the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on, her, on his sister's wrist, and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said. So he rushed out to the spring where the man was still standing beside his camp camels. Laban said to him, Come and stay with us, you who are blessed by the Lord. Why are you standing here outside the town when I have room all ready for you and a place prepared for the camels? So the man went home with Laban, and Laban unloaded the camels and gave him straw for their bedding, fed them, and provided water for the man and the camels, um, camel drivers to wash their feet. Then food was served, but Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I have told you why I have come. All right, Laban said, tell us. I am Abraham's servant, he explained. And the Lord has greatly blessed my master. He has become a wealthy man. The Lord has given him flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, a fortune in silver and gold, many male and female servants and camels and donkeys. When Sarah, my master's wife, was very old, she gave birth to my, son, my master's son. And my master has given him everything he owns. And my master made me take an oath. He said, do not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my father's house, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son. But I said to my master, what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to go back with me? He responded, the Lord, in whose presence I have lived. Wow will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. Yes, you must find a wife for my son from among my relatives from my father's family. Then you will have fulfilled your obligation. But if you go to my relatives and they refuse to let her go with you, you will be free from my oath. <clears throat> so today, when I came to the spring, I prayed this prayer. O oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, Please give me success on this mission. See, I'm standing here beside the spring. This is my request. 
when a young woman comes to draw water, I will say to her, please give a little drink of water from your jug. If she says, yes, I have a drink, and yes, have a drink, and I will draw water for your camels too, let her be the one you have selected to be the wife of my master's son. Before I had finished praying in my heart, I saw Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water. So I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and said, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too. So I drank, and they, then she watered the camels. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She replied, I am the daughter of Bethuel, and my grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. Then I bowed low and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, because he had led me straight to my master's niece to be his son's wife. So tell me, will you or won't you show unfailing love and faithfulness to my master? Please tell me yes or no, and then I know what to do next. Then Laban and Bethuel replied, the Lord has obviously brought you here, so there is nothing we can say. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go. Yes, let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. And that's as far as we're going today, verse 51. Wow. God's faithfulness, you all. Abraham didn't doubt. What Abraham knew is that his son could not marry an ungodly woman. God had already had Rebekah set apart to be Isaac's wife. And I love how the servant testifies as he's sharing with the family of God's faithfulness, God's provision, God's timing. What could they say? Nothing. Listen to what they said there. The Lord has obviously brought you here, so there is nothing we can say. Here is Rebecca. What can those, what can people say when you're testifying of your God? What can they say? See, your lives are to be lived out before others. Your lives should be lived out testifying of your God. What can they say? This is his testimony, the servant's testimony. And not only was it his testimony, but he was testifying of Abraham's life. And isn't that interesting? That he was confident and who Abraham was as a man of God. He didn't have to embellish the story. He was confident in how Abraham lived. Do people have that confidence in your testimony? Can they speak of what God has done in your life and be confident about it? They ought to. They ought to be able to. You see, y'all, we've got to get serious especially in the day and age in which we are living when things are just chaotic as we were talking earlier 
Things are growing more and more chaotic out there. Life is becoming more and more unstable. But God's people, we're here for a reason. We're here for a reason. For such a time as this, you have been purposed and planned. God has prepared good works for you to do in this day and in this hour and in this generation. So yes, we have to get serious about our walk with God. We have to get serious about our conduct and how we're living. We're to be honoring God. For you have been chosen of God. Just as Abraham was. So I want to encourage us today. How's your testimony? How are you living among others? How are you serving God? What are others saying about your testimony? Again, can they have confidence in what you have shared with them? Because of the way you've lived it before them. Just because one can talk about it doesn't make it valid. What makes it valid is how you live it. Because if you talk of God, then you should be living God. This servant went with the full confidence of who Abraham was, but above all, who God was, who had been faithful to Abraham. And his request was answered because God had already planned and purposed Rebecca for Isaac. Amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 17. We left off with people being amazed at Jesus' teaching. crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Now, let's stop there for a moment. If you know anything about this day and age, this timing, uh, this leopard should not have been among the crowds. They are to be outside of the camp. They're not even to be among the clean, if you would, because they are unclean. So I love the leopard's boldness. He's heard of Jesus. He's gone after Jesus. I don't care what others have said. I don't care what they will do to me. I don't care about anything. What I care about is getting to Jesus. That's powerful. That alone should encourage you to get beyond what other people are saying, to get beyond your circumstances, to get beyond whatever is happening in your life and get to Jesus. I can only imagine what he looked like. I can only imagine the pain that he must be enduring physically in his body. But none of that mattered. He knew that these people could have thrown him out. They, they could have treated him harshly. 
he had to get to Jesus. <clears throat> Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. This position of humility. He humbled himself before the one that he has heard about. Lord, the man said. Wow. The name that he calls Jesus. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Wow. This man has such faith in Jesus. He's heard of Jesus and what Jesus has been doing. He realizes he's different from the others. He's different from the others. So Lord, as I humble myself before you, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. If it's your will, I know for a fact that you can heal me. And Jesus reached out and touched him. And what a beautiful, beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. Because leopards were not touched in those days. Yeah. Jesus reached out. He didn't withdraw from him. No, he reached out and touched him. And look at this. I love this little line here. I am willing. He said... <laughs> Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him exam examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Mm -hmm. Jesus was honoring the system that had already been established by God. Yeah. The way that a leopard, and when once they're cleansed, can be announced that they're cleansed. <laughs> when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Again, Lord, we see him being called my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Jesus is talking to a Roman official. He's not talking to a Jew. He's not talking to a Pharisee or a Sadducee or the religious men of the day. He's talking to one who was, if you would, outside. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. This is a Roman official humbling himself before a Jew. That wouldn't happen normally in this day. But he knew something, there was something different about Jesus. You see, he went after Jesus. He was seeking out Jesus. He recognizes his position. I'm unworthy. I am not worthy. 
just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Praise God. He's heard enough, and I'm sure he's probably even witnessed enough, to be able to understand Jesus just has to speak the word, and it will be as he has spoken. I know this, he says, because I'm under the authority of my superior officers. I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, and come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. He recognizes the authority which Jesus has. But isn't it interesting? He's not recognizing, if you would, the natural authority but a greater power that Jesus possesses that if he says, if you would just speak, my servant will be healed. Huh. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from far, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. First of all, remembering, remember who he's talking to, the crowd of Jews. I'm sure there was Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious men mixed up in this crowd. The Jews hated the Gentiles. They despise, they look down upon the Gentiles. And here's Jesus. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Not only that is a slap in the face, if you would, to them. He then says that Gentiles from all over the world will be with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. And then he takes it one more step further for the religious people. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown out. They will be thrown in out, I'm sorry, they will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, my kingdom was prepared for you but you're not going to receive it. I don't know you. It was prepared for you. You were to be my people, but you rejected me. You turned from me. And those that you despise, I'll bring in. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home, because you believe it has happened. And the young servant was healed at the same hour. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, her hand the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. 
This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Jesus, you all. There's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus, all power. <clears throat> Making himself known. Making himself known. As he did then, so he does today. He's healing people. He's delivering people. He's making himself known. As it was then, so it is today. There will be many people following Jesus, but not knowing Jesus. He was very direct with them. And as it was then, as it is today, just one word spoken. Just one touch of him. People are healed and delivered. Set free. Beautiful. Remember, God is faithful to what he has spoken. And as we're reading through the Gospels again, we're seeing God being faithful to what he has spoken about the Messiah. The one who would come to deliver us from our rebellion. Go to Psalm. Psalm 9. <clears throat> Verse 13 through 20. Psalm 9. Verse 13. Lord, have mercy on me. See how my enemies torment me? Snatch me back from the jaws of death. Save me so I can praise you publicly at Jerusalem's gates, so I can rejoice that you have rescued me. The nations have fallen into the pit they dug for others. Their own feet have been caught in the trap they set. The Lord is known for his justice. The wicked are trapped by their own deeds. Wow. The wicked will go down to the grave. This is the fate of all the nations who ignore God. But the needy, praise God, will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. Arise, O Lord. Do not let mere mortals defy you. Judge the nations. Make them tremble in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know they are merely human. Wow. Put mankind back in their place, Lord. Make them know that they're only human and that you are God. The Lord is known for his justice, verse 16. The wicked are trapped by their own deeds. Remember, the ways of the wicked always leads to destruction. They always ignore God. They go about their own way, living for, them own, for their own selves. They're, they're, they're going about each and every single day, living out of their appetites. And the ways of the wicked will perish. Nations who do not honor God will perish. 
nations, you all, will perish. But the afflicted, the poor, they will not be ignored, and they will not always be crushed, for there is hope. Oh, how we should be interceding, you all, and praying for our nation and for the other nations throughout the earth. Praying and interceding. We get so caught up in our everyday life that we miss out on the bigger plan of God. Like, remember that path is narrow, the one that leads to Him. The other path is wide. There's so many people on that. They're on their way to hell. An eternal damnation. And your purpose for such a time as this to live before them and among them, making God known. Doesn't mean that they're all people will turn, but there may be one, two, three, four that will turn to God of your testimony, because of your life. Intercede and pray, you all. Listen to how he ends this. Arise, O Lord. Do not let mere mortals defy you. Judge the nations. O God, move. Make them tremble in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are merely human. Move in our time. Make yourself known, God. Arise, O oh God. Whatever is needed in this hour and in our day, let us be attentive to how the Holy Spirit will lead us to pray. Let us be attentive that we do not miss those divine appointments with others that He brings along our path. We pray a lot here for God to bring laborers along people's paths. Can you imagine if you're a laborer that had been prayed for, but you're so caught up in your own day and you're in your own life and your own struggles and my life, blah, blah, blah. You're missing out on those that you could be ministering to. Those who desperately need to hear a word from God to encourage others Remember even back then, Abraham, Abraham's calling. He was called out so others will be blessed. You're called out so others will be blessed. Serve God and serve others. Jesus came as the greatest servant. He's our example. That's how we're to be living, serving others. If you're not serving others, something's wrong with your faith. Something is wrong, terribly wrong with your faith. And to serve others with the right heart attitude. Not just doing it because that's what I'm supposed to do. No, do it because that's just who you are. You just give. You just serve. You just tend to others. You care for others. You love others. Without any expectations from them. Because if you're setting up expectations, you're not truly loving and that's a lot of times that we do with God. We put expectations on Him. And when He doesn't meet our expectations, now all of a sudden He's not God. Well, who are you to create God and to tell God how He is to be? Do you realize how the psalmist is praying to God Almighty? 
he's able to say what he is saying here because he's in relationship with God. This is King David. He knows his God. Oh God, arise. Do not let mere mortals defy you. Look at what he prayed in, the, in verse 13. Lord, have mercy on me. See how my enemies torment me? Snatch me back from the jaws of death. David had to go through some serious seasons in his life. But no matter what season he faced, he was still a man after God's own heart. And so it should be about us as well. That we should be a people seeking after God, going after him with our whole heart. Understanding the characteristics of God. Knowing our God as we talked about on Friday night. How can we exercise spiritual authority if we don't know our God? You have to know your God. Who He is. His characteristics. How He works. In order to really live and honor Him. So we have to grow up. We have to mature. Have to intercede. Things are going on in this world. And we know, we don't know the time or the hour or the day in which Jesus is returning, but we, knew, we do know the signs that we should be looking out for. We know the signs because Jesus himself told us of those signs. And do you realize what's happening? And what could escalate in a second, in a moment, in an hour? Do you realize how nations are rising up against nations? Do you realize how chaotic it's getting? The level of perversion rising up, the level of the occult rising up, the level of, of a murder and violence, that the love of many is growing colder and colder. And yet, the gospel, Jesus says, will go forth throughout the earth. See, that doesn't stop us from a, 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 a completing what God has called us to. As a church, we don't back down, we don't give up. We're to continue to go and preach the gospel, share the gospel minister to others we've got to get beyond ourselves you all we've got to truly start living it out the hour is urgent we don't have time to continue to play church we don't have time to continue just oh i'm here today whatever no it's serious it's serious to live it among your families. It's serious to live it among your, in your community, at your job, wherever you're at. Live as a Christian. Live and honor God in all that you say and you do. Honor God. Know your God. Be attentive to His leading. Because apart from Him, you could do nothing. Apart from Him, you could do nothing. that your testimony would be valid. That it wouldn't be tainted. That it would be valid. 
honor God. Go to Proverbs. We'll end there. Chapter 3. Verse 1 through 6. Well, how? How do we do this? How, how do we live for God? How do we, how do we honor God in all that we say and do? In and of yourself, you can't, you can't muster that up. You, you can't get to a place where you do it in and of yourself because it can't be done in and of yourself because self only knows the ways of the flesh. That's why you must grow dependent upon God. You must grow dependent upon the Holy Spirit, seeking Him. He will be found. Allowing the Holy Spirit to, to comfort you, to guide you, to teach you. But listen here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Mm. Never forget what you have been taught. Never forget. And the way that you can never forget is continue to put it into practice. When you stop putting it into practice, you forget. You get swayed. You go the old way. I've always told you all, if you find yourself back where you were, don't beat yourself up. Where else are you going to go? That's all you know. That's why we shouldn't be shocked when we see people slip or fall away. Oh, there they go. They just went back. Well, where else would they go? They didn't put into practice. They forgot. Never forget what you have been taught. Put it into practice. Day after day, hour after hour, moment after moment. Live it out. Live it out. <clears throat> if you're not, you're going to forget it. And you're just going to go back to the ways of rebellion. Mm. You're going to go back. You can even go back and hold a form of religion. But that's still rebellion. But that's not how we're called to live. We're not called to continue to remain in rebellion to God. No, we're called to live lives that are submitted to Him. Why are we fighting Him? Do you realize it's your choice to go back and to rebel against Him? No one can force you. Your circumstances can't drag you back there. You choose. You choose. It's a choice you make in your heart to go back. And when you go back, you choose to say, you're not God. And you say, well, I don't say that out of my mouth. No, but your actions are saying it. Because that's what's in your heart. I've always encouraged you. You want to know where you're at with God? Listen to what's going on in your head and out of your mouth. Watch your actions. This is serious, you all. This isn't some kumbaya, you know. God's going to bless, 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 bless. He blesses, yes. But he does it for his own purpose. Not just because you demand of him. You can't just hold a form of religion and think that you're honoring God when you're choosing to re rebel against him. You choose to say he's not God. Watch your actions this week. Watch your mouth this week. 
Watch what you put your hands towards and watch where you allow your mind to go. Are you honoring God or are you telling him you're not God? And if you find yourself telling him you're not God because of your actions, because of your conduct, because of your thought process, because of whatever you're dealing with, then don't beat yourself up. Humble yourself. Repent and turn back. Was that simple? Yes. Just as it was when you first came to him. You were in complete rebellion, yet he loves you. Yes, God loves us. But he draws us to himself, and he delivers us. And we ought to be living as people who've been delivered. (laughs) Not people who've just stuck. Because our God's not great. God is great. And God is good. Mm. And we can have a conduct that honors Him no matter what we're facing. But remember, it's your choice. It's your choice. Either He's God or He's not. Sometimes you just got to get low and stay low. Say, God, have your way. If I get up, I'm going to do it myself. But I'm going to go through this day spiritually low humbled before you but as I go through my day let me make choices that will honor you let my thoughts honor you teach me Holy Spirit to to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of your Lordship oh God forgive me for for stepping ahead of you or, or for saying this or for reacting this way like don't forget put into practice Look, he goes on and says, store my commands in your heart. (laughs) If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Look at this. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Mm -hmm. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Mm -hmm. Loyalty and kindness. By having these then you will find favor with both God and people. And you will earn a good reputation. You will earn a good reputation. Remember Abraham? He had a good reputation among the foreigners, the outsiders. He had favor with God and with man. And God is saying we can have favor with God and with man. We can have a good reputation. If we would remain loyal and kind. Storing up his commands in our heart. Putting into practice what we've been taught. How, how horrible to be teach the ways of freedom and not be free. How horrible to hear and to be taught on how to be live in Christ. To, to, to be free in Christ. The hope of Christ and not experience it. Just taught it. Just to be hearers and not doers. How horrible. How tormenting that is in the mind of one who lives that way. But if you will put into practice 
If you will not forget what you were taught, if you restore his commands in your heart, if you would remain loyal and kind, wow, you will find favor with God and with man, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And ending in verse 6, six <laughs> seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. In all you do, seek him. As we opened up, so we end. Go after him, you all. Go after him. <clears throat> he is not having a stiff arm against you, holding you back from him. No, he is calling us to come to him. To come. To boldly enter in his presence. Because he has called each one of us out. He knows exactly what we're dealing with. He knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly how immature we are. He knows exactly what we need to mature. So it's not about, again, the, the condemnation and the shame and the guilt and this and that and blah, blah, blah. No, it's about Him. Humbling ourselves before our God. Being transparent before Him. And trusting Him. Leaning not on your own understanding, but in all of our ways. Amen. 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 I'll close this with this song. Mm -hmm. And then I'll close this in prayer.